What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. Hey, Dream Builder. This episode is powered by Design Crowd. Design Crowd is a website that helps entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses get creative and quality designs from custom logos to business cards and even web designs. There's a community of over 900,000 designers from all across the world that's ready to bring your idea to life in as little as ours. So head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and see what all the hype is about. What's up, Dream Builder? We are back again. In today's episode, we're going to talk about all things transformation. And I'm excited to have this conversation and to bring it to you because we have one of the biggest experts when it comes to this on the other side today. Without further ado, please help me in welcoming my friend, Mr. Nick Janko, to the show. Nick, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? Yeah. Hey, Dream Nation. Great to be here with you. I hope I can serve you with anything that I can that's transformational and helps you change your inspiration into action. Oh, absolutely. So I always love to start off by making sure that we give the proper introduction. And the way that we do that is by comparing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, change makers, and pioneers just like you to superheroes, right? And <laughs> the one thing that we know is the man that is called superhero of Superman, uh, we know how to describe him, but a lot of the times we don't know how to describe the guy who's behind the cape. And so for a lot of people who've heard of your name and who've seen you or who've been able to experience uh, that transformation, they can describe that. But what they don't know is who is the guy behind the cape? So can you answer that for us? Who is that Clark Kent of Nick Jenko? I'm not a news photographer. I can definitely tell you that. So who am I? I guess I am a lover of life. I am an uh, old uh, festival-going club DJ, jazz funk dancer, a house music lover, love being in the hot tub, love playing games with my kids, and spend a lot of time exploring my own fragilities and foibles and freeing myself of more and more old matter that I don't need anymore that comes from me or my parents or my culture. And I'm deeply, deeply, deeply passionate about unlocking everyone's potential to have a rich and meaningful life, if not necessarily a financially rich or traditionally successful life, um, to live at the edge of your potential and capacities, just as I attempt to do that for myself, and also play a part in lighting some form of candle in the darkness of your own family or community or city or town or company or whatever you do got it cool so talk to me about where did you start on this journey why are why did you become a transformational coach and why was <laughs> it a mission for you it started off actually a long time ago i originally wanted to be a doctor um, i wanted to be a psychiatrist i went to medical school i thought psychiatry was where you go if you want to be like really good at changing people I actually realized I don't think it is, but that's another part conversation we can come on to. But I also, part of that was my own you know, struggles and pain. By the age of like 12, 13, I was, you know, the fat kid in school. Um, you know, that was the one, probably more now because of 
challenges and obesity. I was the only one at my time. And I got relentlessly teased and abused, actually, by parents, uh, not parents, sorry, teachers and kids. I was the son of parents who got divorced very early, relatively rare in the early 70s. I was just suffering. You know, I was very intelligent, but I wasn't wise. Um, I was so curious about life, but also basically depressed for about a decade on and off, you know, anxious, depressed, some form of mood disorder and um, relationships didn't have any, didn't kiss a girl till I was late teen, which was a source of shame to me. And also just like missed goodness. I was a late bloomer. I think we should call it ugly duckling. And I sort of came through all that and was like, the most important thing in the world is finding out who you are and fulfilling your potential to be a human being in this world and anything other than that is not as important so i'm gonna make that my life obviously as you said shared yourself that's 30 years zip down into three minutes but that's kind of like the the story is like personal suffering but also professional interest in this thing called change personal growth development evolution whatever you want to call it the capacity we all have just by being human to grow, to change, to evolve, to mature. You know, machines don't have that capacity. Maybe AI does, but human beings innately have the capacity, just like a flower, to blossom. It's just in our capacities, in our DNA. And it's once you get into it, it's like the most exciting, interesting and rewarding thing you could possibly do. And it's a great addiction to have because it helps you and it helps, helps the world. Got it. Yeah, there's so much to unpack there. When you had this epiphany, right, that, that you were not always not lost for you. And I say this because right now, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a lot of people that are struggling, obviously, with uh, comparing themselves to other people, but then at the same time, just feeling like that they don't have a superpower. They feel like that they don't have anything that they can give to the world. What was that time for you where it felt like you were at rock bottom? And what was the one thing that you did to get out and change it to say, no, listen, I am enough. Do you remember? Was there one time that you just- Oh yeah, like I remember. Time? I had a lot of rock bottoms, you know, I went progressively down into further levels of rock bottom. I remember one example, I was teaching kids in um, rural Africa in my um, year between school and college. And I almost feel like I lost the plot. I was close to, I think, looking into the abyss of life and going, giving up, you know, so there'd be many moments like that. But the sort of final one, if you like, came around, I was 29, 30. And actually I built a business. So I was materially successful. People thought I was successful by looking at me, but inside I was still hurting so much. That's one of the things to remember. We all hurt until we learn to take care of ourselves, I think is really important. Even the most successful people are hurting inside. It's really, the nature of our modern society that most people go through life and get a heart heart and that needs to be tended to. But, and we can talk about that in a moment, what that looks like. But personally, I had sort of come out of this business. I was having panic attacks again, which I hadn't had for a while. Another relationship imploded. Business I built wasn't the business I realized I wanted to run. And I made a decision like, this is the most important thing for me is to work out how to not have this again for me. And you know, there's a thing in society about to be an expert in anything, you've got to spend 10,000 hours doing it. It's a bit of a myth. 
I think, but it's a good thing to think about. And I realized I hadn't spent 10,000 hours understanding this thing here, this person, this body, mind, flesh, consciousness. And so I went, made a choice. This is everything else happens secondary to this. And I have to acknowledge that it wasn't until I opened myself up to something that you might call a spiritual experience of life, which I'd rejected up to that point as a sort of scientist type character. I was kind of anti-religious. I grew up anti-religious. Um, it wasn't until I accepted something that has lots of different names depending upon your tradition, your culture, your path. But until I accepted something bigger than me into my heart, nothing really worked until I really allowed that to occur. Everything was helpful, you know, coaching and this and that. But that was the moment where my life took a sharp deviation uh, to the path I am on now. Got it. And so for you, what was the change that you first implemented? And you talked about this. You said you, I had to start taking care of me. And what was that the first thing that you did to start taking care of you? Was it going on a sabbatical? Was it, you know, removing toxic relationships from your life? Was it repairing the relationship? Check. <laughs> all those things i mean as luck slash tragedy would happen i had a breakdown so i had to take time off work like i was burnt out i couldn't do anything i was like on the floor like, i remember the day i was on the, my knees my mom's actually a psychotherapist and i called her over to my apartment i was living in i just literally was on my knees going, i can't do it i can't do anything I, I was like on the floor literally metaphorically and so i had to take a sabbatical i had to take some time off because I was broken. I wasn't useful to anyone. I happened to go on a, a trip and I actually also decided to do some indigenous uh, practices in uh, various different places, which were quite interesting, not for everyone, but definitely interesting. And that kind of decision to know myself. It's, so there's a the Greek philosophers say a number one rule of philosophy is know thyself. And that was probably the moment I was going, I just need to know who I am. I need to know what this is all about. And I'm going to open up to any form of knowledge, as well as the knowledge I already had, medical knowledge and, and sort of coaching knowledge and business knowledge. I had all that knowledge. I was like, right, I'm not going to open to anything. You know, even if it's stuff that I used to like laugh at, like, you know, new age stuff, which I was like, oof, horrible. I was like, fine, I'll do it. I'll go dancing in a wood with 50 other people, you know. I'll meditate for 12 hours. You know, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll hit the therapy. I'll do all of it because I want to understand this guy. And then I can choose what I want, you know, if I want like it or not. But that was kind of like, you know, so I went on a basically about a year-long safari, psychological and spiritual safari inside uh, myself with a bit of travel, a bit of work in between to keep, you know, the lights on. And I'm very aware because I work with people who are working 10, 12-hour days and don't feel like they have much time to do this kind of stuff. Um, but I would say outside of your work and your duties, I'm a parent, you know, I've got duties. But outside of that, nothing is more important to, and I don't mean just like lighting a candle and having a massage. I mean like real self-care, self-love, not self-care. Um, to find out what you need to nourish your heart, mind and um, body. So what's the, give me the, a three-step. Do you have a framework or a process of how people can start that? Because they hear it yes. and they're saying, hey, I'm going through the same thing, but where do I even get started? Definitely. I wrote a book that had a 
nice framework. Uh, my first book called Switch On, and I can sort of describe it. The steps are there, but the steps are less important once you've learned how to do the steps, if you know what I mean. You could do it very quickly, but the steps help. Like when you're building a house, scaffolding helps, and then you can get rid of the scaffolding and you've got a nice house. Steps are great, but always remember you're, uh, you are a body and you're an organic being and transformation is in your inherent capacities. Because all that transformation is, if we try and strip out it all, is it is the letting go of one way of thinking and behaving that is no longer working for you and the embracing of a one that works better for you, right? Now that's summarizing and simplifying what can be an enormously complex and challenging process that we can often resist ourselves. And I can explain why that is. So transformation, life change is about this thing doesn't work for me. Um, you know, dating two people at once, pretending I'm not eating too much. I don't know. Whatever it is for you, working in an environment that doesn't work for me, being in a relationship doesn't work for me, I'm always prioritizing my work over whatever, or money over community, whatever it is, right? So you, so within that, you can already see step one is awareness. And actually taking the time to step back and go fearlessly, you know, where is where are things not a match? And this is a really important nuance here of transformation. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean anything to do with your moral or value to the world. It just means what you're doing is not a match for the life you're in. So we talk a lot about mismatches. Where are there mismatches? Even my little, my little boy's eight goes, this is a mismatch moment, dad. And I'm like, totally. Um, so mismatch is where you show up in one pattern, but the moment actually called for something else. So your partner is really vulnerable and you try and solve all their problems for them, mismatch. Because what they really wanted was you to listen. Or they say it's be committed and then you go and cheat on them. Or you say to yourself, I'm going to get fit. And then you eat three gallons of, you know, ice cream. I know these are all mismatch moments, right? So the first thing is being able to look at them and go, awareness, mismatch moment. And even that itself can actually precipitate change without any more fancy techniques and tools and stuff. Just awareness from unconscious to conscious. Because when you do that, also you take ownership, which is the next step, right? You can't change what you don't own. You can't blame someone else and then change you. Look, think of that equation. I'm the way I am because of them, but I want to change my life. But I can't change them. You can't change anyone else, right? So I'm stuck. Doesn't make sense, right? So this is the core of all coaching. You can't change what you don't own. But please listen to me. Ownership is not taking the blame. It's just owning your response to this situation. Mm. It's not saying I'm morally bad for doing this, even if it's something that society thinks is morally bad. Let's say it's an addiction, right? It's just saying, I can't change it if I don't own it as mine. And it doesn't mean you own the trigger. It doesn't mean you own, it. let's say you were abused or had difficult experience. It doesn't mean you own what happened to you in the past. But you own who you are now in the present showing up and how you respond to a problem or a challenge or an issue. So awareness and ownership sort of slide into each other. And then from ownership... It's all about how do I let go? So one of the great rules of transformation I've learned in my life is we think change is about getting the new thing, the new girlfriend, the new job, the new blah, 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 blah. But actually change is about letting go of the old thing. Because once you let go of the old thing, the new thing will just arise for you. 
You know, you will show up creative and passionate and sensitive and, I don't know, confident, whatever it is you want to be. The thing that stops that is the old thing. And we call it a protective pattern in our work. And I want to, li to listen to that. It's a protective pattern. So first of all, the word pattern, it's not right or wrong. It's not a bad habit. It's not a good habit. It's, it's a neutral thing called a pattern. It's a way of showing up that you've learned or you created for yourself at some point or a mixture of learning it and creating it. So it's a neutral thing. It's just how you show up. And we're always in a pattern all the time. I'm in a pattern now. I'm in my podcast interviewee pattern. Right. Although actually, I will talk about that in a minute. I'm not actually in a pattern because I'm hopefully being really alive to this moment. I'm not just speaking what I wanted to say, which would be a pattern, trying to get my media message over, you know, God, what am I going to do? I'm going to flog my book. I'm going to, you know, whatever. That, I'm not, that's a pattern, right? So the pattern is protective because at some point it served you to keep you safe, to help you cope, to help you deal. And this is so important because without understanding that your habit or your pattern is there for a protective reason, you'll probably be angry with it and be upset with it and be judgmental of yourself uh, or someone else. Um, and that blocks transformation. So by acknowledging it's a protective pattern and, and if you want to finding what it's protecting you from, that's like the bonus question. You don't actually have to do that in transformation. I don't think that's like therapy, deep therapy, but it can help. Like I'm protecting myself from being vulnerable to losing love. Because that's what happened when my mum or my dad left home, blah, blah, something happened, right? Or I'm protecting myself from not knowing the answer because when I was three, someone laughed at me and I, because I didn't know the answer and I just can't have that shame again. That protectiveness, if you, by understanding its protection, so much opens up. And there are other steps, but that's like the sort of, the start point is ownership, awareness and ownership, and then acknowledging the protective role that the thing you want to change is protecting you from because it's only then that you can create within yourself an experience that you don't need protection from again because you're a grown-up now probably you know so yeah. and that's where transformation happens got it so i feel like there's another like i feel like those are the first three steps yeah and i feel like there's another level to this of like four five six is there there are yes something? <laughs> The seven, actually, in our current step-based process. Um, so those are kind of the first three steps yeah. that we've just sort of looked at, right? And then step four is this experience of release, where you no longer need that protective pattern. You might need it again later on today. You might need it tomorrow. You might need it, you know, in the moment with your boss or whatever. But right now, in the quietude of your own inner experience, with the door locked, your bedroom, in a shower, at the gym, going for a run, I don't know, whatever. In that moment, you don't need it. And this is where the spiritual dimension comes in, because I believe you only don't need it if you can create an experience of total safety within for yourself. Hey, Dream Builder. If you're anything like me, you have no idea how to come up with a quality logo or even a creative design. You know that quality is important, but it's not always the easiest to nail down, right? That's where Design Crowd comes in. Whether it's a logo, a website, book cover, or even a social media ad, they have a community of over 900,000 professional designers around the world ready to help solve your creative problem. Head on over to designcrowd.com. 
forward slash Dream Nation to learn more. And just for being a part of the Dream Nation tribe, you're going to receive a special VIP offer when you sign up of up to $150 credit. Now, instead of waiting weeks for an agency to pitch you an idea, you'll be able to get a design of exactly what you need within just three days. So again, head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and check it out. Because even if your parents were around, they can't do it for you because you are you. No one else can get in there and go, here we go. Here's a perfect safe environment for yourself in your inner consciousness. No one can do that, right? Your lover can't do it. They can inspire it and they can support you to heal yourself, but they can't make it occur. And I, in 30 years of being an anti-religious scientist type guy, I never found any way of creating that safety that is stronger or better or even functional than the experience that you might call spiritual love or cosmic love or oneness or connection or interconnection or interbeing. There's so many different words for it, right? And that's where that bit comes in. It's not the whole process, but at some point you have to feel that. And it could be from nature. It could be from holding children. It could be from service in your community. So many different ways to get that feeling, but you have to be able to reliably create it for yourself because in that feeling, which we call presence in the book, the old pattern can dissolve just for a moment. And then step five, the new idea, literally, I've seen it a hundred thousand times. As soon as we release the old, even if just for a moment, a new guy, I could do this. I could be like this. I could be like, I could, I could, I could, I and, and the newness just rushes in. And I'll make an analogy. I used to be an innovation consultant, as in I used to help companies create new products. Yeah. And everyone always thinks the hard bit is helping them create new idea. Like Uber or, you know, whatever, Apple Watch. Actually, the, the difficult thing with innovation is not helping the company have the new idea. It's helping the company let go of the old ideas which is the same, right? So that's the difficult bit of transformation is not helping people have the new ideas that are gonna make their life awesome, the dream. The difficult bit is getting them to a point where their dreamness within, and there's actually a brain network for dreaming, a whole brain network called the daydreaming network by a lot of scientists. The network for dreaming will kick in as soon as the network for protection and control is off. Wow. It's amazing. Right. Amazing. Like I knew this was true from a point of view of transformational teaching, but I didn't know the science of it until recently because there wasn't science of it. And now you can actually see the network go off and the other networks switch on when you stop trying to control the world, which is protection. Wow. That's super, super powerful. And it all goes back to trauma is what I feel like. Like Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to figure out what that trauma is that you experience. And this was something that I had a conversation with back with Jack Canfield. And he had said, you know, so many people between the ages of three and 10 years old, they have this trauma when they're an adolescent and and they don't know how to release that trauma. And so it's, it makes so, so much sense. So for you, is there, you said that you know, you, you, there's no secret sauce on this, but you have to go find something that allows you to feel safety in whatever you're doing now. Is there a way for someone to identify that? Like, is there, if, if for me, if I'm trying to let go of the old and I'm trying to really make the new my reality, what, is it just like a hobby? Is it a, what, about <laughs> a, what could it be? 
So the safety comes from, I believe, feeling like you're not a in, in little individual alone in a scary world where everyone's trying to eat you, basically, right? right. Um, and of course, the modern world is based upon that idea that you are one tiny being, you've got to fight for your bit of the pie. Also, there's some snakes and some other weird stuff coming towards you. So be ready, hypervigilant, right? And if you grow up somewhere like you did, you know, in uh, south side of Chicago, that's actually a reality, right? Right. I grew up in London. It is a reality, right? So even if you come into, into the world in environments where hypervigilance is, is actually useful, particularly if one of your caregivers abuses you in some way, right, or neglects you, similar type of trauma, just the opposite version, you know, too little or too much of them. You will have some hypervigilance. You will have a deep sense of lack of safety. Um, and that's trauma. So trauma, you could imagine trauma is a sense of lack of safety that sticks around. Mm. A lot of work talk about trauma at the moment in the world. And um, people think, well, I, didn't, I wasn't traumatized. I had an all right line. But actually, we probably have all had multiple traumas. My wife and I, who's a trauma therapist, we actually believe that just the modern world, the pace of it, the need for money, the need for healthcare insurance, in it is in itself traumatizing. Because you feel alone, you don't feel safe, right? You don't feel held by the community or society as a whole. So we all have to engage with this T word, the trauma word. But there is a kind of secret sauce, which is that sense of safety. And But what I can't do is tell you, dear listener, how to get yours. I can recommend different routes. I could say try yoga, try meditation, try dancing in the woods, try going on your own for a day to a beautiful place. Try sitting in the park doing um, to watch some YouTube videos on uh, Qigong or Tai Chi or some kind of martial arts. I mean, there's so many different ways. Hold a baby. I mean, there's so many different ways to feel that feeling of connection, which then goes into you as safety and, and love internally. Um, and I move through different practices myself. Um, go to church, go to mosque. You know, there's so many ways to access this feeling, but it is the, it's the liquid feeling of safety, of love, that I believe is inherent in healing. A, a coach can't provide it for you, but can definitely, a therapist, coach, counsellor, they can create a safe space for you whereby it's easier for you to feel safe. I love it. Talk to, the, the next question that I have is we've talked about how, you know, transformation, but early yeah. on you were talking about purpose. You had to find your purpose mm -hmm. and this has become mm -hmm. a buzzword, especially over the last three years. So many also, people are trying yeah. to figure out their purpose and even trying to create money right through it. So then they're like, do I go after passion? Do I go after profit? Whatever yeah. it might be. What is my purpose? Talk to yeah. me about how someone can <laughs> at least get on the first path to figure yeah. out what their purpose is. And if they have, because they might not be able to go on a sabbatical, right? Because they have two um, kids, they can't just take time off. Like, what can they do to start figuring out where do they need to start showing up in the world and be able to fill a, a life of fulfillment or live a life of fulfillment? Right. So, first of all, safety warning, purpose chat. First of all, I don't know anyone who has fully figured out how to balance purpose and profit. I know lots of people who are unfolding that conversation in their life and working it out, figuring it out. I'm figuring out. I don't think anyone's cracked it, right? So that's the first thing. You're in great company if this is a conversation you want to have. Secondly, it's a life, it's a life journey, not a destination. The purpose is a doing, not a thing you achieve. 
It's a way of being in the world that serves the world, but also serves you, fulfills you, gives you meaning and reward and a sense of accomplishment, autonomy, mastery. But you don't just like finish it. It's not a job that gets finished. So that's the health warning, because this is like a long journey. This is what life, I think, is about how to unfold your purpose. Be safe financially with it. Fulfill your duties and make a difference in some small, maybe large, doesn't really matter, way. And then you're off. You're out. Finished. Game over. So that's the kind of health warning on purpose. So first of all, I want to explain what I think purpose is, um, because it, I don't necessarily think it's like a, a moment where you get this clear light and a calling comes to you and it's all answered. Um, I think it's like an ongoing discovery process. And what you're trying to find is what is the bridge between my talents and that's important something you're good at already my skills and it doesn't have to be obvious stuff it could be like listening to people it could be caring for people it could be showing up it could be being funny it could be being curious it could be being silly these are all useful things for the world right we need all these things in the future of the world that we're trying to create where's the bridge between my skills and talents and hopefully i like enjoy doing it too that's like a bonus and then what the world needs as in where is their suffering where is their pain where is their wounding um, and that should be most obviously in your own space. It could be in your company, your family, your community, your church, your hobby group. Where are people hurting? Or what kind of hurting is do I feel I can sort of bridge? So I watched a, a documentary on Richard Pryor recently, which was epic, beautiful. It's called something about Omit the Logic. It's called Omit the Logic. It's actually about intuition and purpose in many ways. And on his deathbed, you know, before he died of MS, he basically said, what do you want to be known for? Or, and he's like, you see my face and you laugh. Now, you could see that as just like him wanting to be fame and fortune for being a clever, funny comedian. But actually, when you understand him, I think through this documentary anyway, what he was saying is, you know, there's so much pain and trauma. I mean, he grew up in a bordello, as they put it. You know, he grew up in a really tough environment and saw things that, a lot of, you know, you wouldn't want kids to see if, if possible. And he, but his purpose was to lift the moment, to bring a bit of joy into suffering. So that's one purpose, right? And then there's right. everything else in the sun. And it doesn't have to be something like, what's the word? Like, oh my God, hail almighty, this is my purpose. And you, I've got the best. There's no, you can't judge my purpose with your purpose. You can't have a purpose parade and go, your purpose is really cool. My purpose, mm, not so sure about purpose is just who you are I, I describe it as love in action who you are when you're feeling connected whole and caring about the world going into action in the world and that could be on a bicycle on a, bu a bus it could be on a phone call it could be at three in the morning when someone wakes up it doesn't matter you can't quantify purpose you can quantify goals and money and stuff you can't say well, I had a 90% purpose day today. Yay. I'm going to have a drink. It doesn't make sense. Right. Right. It's not quantifiable. I love it. Talk to me about you're so much wiser now than when you first got started. <laughs> but if there's Possibly. one thing. <laughs> if there's one thing that you wish that you could have implemented sooner, that you would have implemented mm. sooner on your journey to accelerate mm. your path to where you are today, what would that one thing be? 
I'm going to say a committed wisdom practice. A committed practice for my inner life. And not always going out to the world for my kicks and my fun. I didn't realize that I had actually created one for myself in my teenage years, which ended up being dancing and partying and dancing. I didn't realize until I looked back on it that it wasn't just a hedonistic pursuit of fun and games. I was actually getting real wisdom value from it. But before that, no one had given me any guidance on this stuff. And it just didn't really exist. No one, I, didn't, I had literally no clue about what that might look like, or even that it was a concept. So that's probably, I think everything I am, when I found that, the spiral started to kick. And all the sort of sciencey stuff and all the sort of entrepreneurial stuff all sort of then had a place to... To, to sit it had a Christmas tree to sit on. You know, the baubles had something to sit on, and I was like a bauble. I was all baubles, no tree. <laughs> gotcha. If there was one person that dead or yeah. alive that you could have dinner with, who would that one person be, mm. and what's the one question that you would ask that person? Mm. And now I'm really irritated with myself because the other day. I was like watching something. I was like, if anyone ever asked me who I want to have dinner with, it's this person. And I can't remember for the life of me in this moment. Let me try and sort of let me actually sit for a second and really feel into that. I mean, there are some people that I think are truly, I guess on the one hand, I know that everyone, whether it's Gandhi or Mandela or Martin Luther King, who are the three heroes of my sort of leadership work because they were all expressly spiritual, but also high, highly active in the world, right? They were like trying to do something hard and they did something hard, but I'm also really aware that they all had their foibles, right? They had their fragilities that, you know, they weren't perfect. No one is perfect. So that's like a, a, a kind of given in the world, right? Um, maybe I'm going to come up with maybe like one of the jazz greats, you know, one of the people who sort of maybe in their fifties, um, Harlem jazz renaissance. There were some really interesting folk who gotta, were really. You got to give pushing. us one person. <laughs> what's one? You got to give us one. Like you got one last okay. dinner. Who are you taking? And what do you? Want I've got one person. I would like to sit down with Charlie Parker. Okay. One question that you would ask. And the question I'm going to ask him is: How did you find your way? to the magic of improvisation. Mm. I love it. I love that. How did you release? How did you release what you had to release to let that music through? Mm. Yeah, no, I think that I would ask that same question. <laughs> I think I would too. No, I, amazing. Yeah, this is definitely, I mean, so much wisdom has been given in this conversation. It's been phenomenal. I want to be the first one, my brother, to tell you if no one else has told you today, thank you and I appreciate you. <laughs> the last question that I have for you is there's somebody out there that's still listening at this, they're still rocking with this, they're still watching this and they're inspired by you and your journey and they want to create something similar, but they still have that little voice in their head and we've all had it. You've alluded to it a lot today, but it says that they're not smart enough, they're not strong enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's that one final thing that you would leave that person with to get them to just take action? Mm. 
So I'm going to speak on behalf of you listening, if you have that voice, your wiser self and say, thank you for that judgment, that criticism, that doubt. I know you're trying to protect me. And I'm safe enough to take the risk mm. myself now. That's it. There you have it. For anyone who wants to stay connected with you, we'll make sure that we drop all of the links in the show notes, but tell the world and the public, where can they find you at? All social media, blah, 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 you know, go looking. I've got articles and whatever. Switch on now is the handle that's most often used. But I often say to people, if you want to get into the, uh, the work I do and the work we do with my wife, we have loads of free stuff, I should say, by the way, free webinars all the time. I really like, I want to give the stuff away. If you go to my website, switchonnow.com, and there's free webinars you can sign up for, sign up for the newsletter, and then you'll get all sorts of things like Spotify playlists for music, for transformation, all sorts of things. You know, we're giving it away whilst trying to make a living. So switchonnow.com and um, join, join the community. Thanks again, my brother. It has been a phenomenal conversation. And remember, Dream Nation, just as he said, you know, take action on your dreams. Let the, that inner voice know that you are safe because that dream that you have, if you don't take action on it, will only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side.